0: Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. And I will be filled with joy when we're together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline, 2 Timothy 1, 3 through 7. But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, but the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will suffer persecution. But evil people and impostors will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and to equip his people to do every good work. 2 Timothy 3, 10-17 stand with me one final time this morning. We are in a series that is called Building Blocks. In this series, we are looking at what does it look like to build our lives? What does it look like to build our homes? What does it look like to build our relationships fully on the foundation that is Jesus Christ? And we're looking at, we started in week one looking at just even that decision, as Joshua said before the entire nation of Israel, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then we've looked at like the importance of making the decision and what it looks like to prepare as we move in to that decision. And today we're going to look at what does it look like to take our lives and use them to be an influence and to help model for Christ. And so I'm really excited for the message this morning. I believe God has a word in store for us. And so let's go to the Father in prayer. Father, we come before you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word, Lord. As It is mighty, it is powerful, it is true. Lord, it is inspired by God. It's useful to teach us, to equip us, to train us. And Lord, today I pray that you would grab hold of our hearts and our minds. And that as we center our thoughts on you, Jesus, that you would shape us and mold us into Lord, what you have called us to be. We give you thanks, we give you praise in your name. Amen, amen. Before you grab a seat, if you will turn to the person next to you and tell them, what was your favorite childhood toy? Your favorite childhood toy. Three, two, one, go for it. I have found that each of my kids is different. Jason doesn't really like to play with toys at all. I think I've wasted any money almost ever spent on buying that. I should have just got him a cardboard box. Um, I think he had more fun with like the wrapping paper and the, bo- you know what I'm talking about? You, they get the box and you're like, I just spent all this money on that toy and you've been playing with a box for the last 30 minutes, <laughs> you know, especially when they get like the, uh, the wrapping paper rolls and they suddenly become lightsabers. That's a good day in the house. Each of them are different. Ruby likes toys, Calvin did. Um, let me tell you about my least favorite toy, Play-Doh. This right here is the bane of parents' existence, right? Like, um, (laughs) for a span of time, it seemed like everybody would buy my kids Play Doh, and like, uh, uh, we just made a rule in the household because I. I'm not Christ-like enough to be around when they play with it. So, um, <laughs> Play-Doh is played with when dad was not home, right? <laughs> because, I got, like, the entire time they're playing with it, like, the, the, every ounce of me is wanting to just go around and pick up and clean up. And I'm like, it's getting in the carpet, you know. <laughs> and then, ah, oh, and then they mix the colors. Mm. It goes from gorgeous blue to, like, poop brown, you know. It's just, It's awful. Like, I, I, I hate Play-Doh. But one of the things that is really cool about Play-Doh is in your ability to mold it. You know, you, you can take this toy and you can shape it and you can mold it into almost anything. They've got, like, board games now that, like, some of the competitions are you have to mold it as quick as you possibly can into an object and get your partner to guess what it is. Some of you are like, ooh, I want to play that game. <laughs> right? There, there's all different kinds. You, you can shape it and you mold it, and it can turn out... In a lot of different ways. It can turn out good. It can turn out bad. I'm going to show you a couple of different um, examples right here of two different ones. So, on the left, you have what would be Angel Johnson's Play-Doh model. On the right, you have what would be Josh Johnson's Play-Doh model. Right? And the truth is that the outcome is based upon the person who's molding it. It's their time and their energy. I would have to say the one on the left has taken some time to do. The one on the right was an afterthought. (laughs) It was kind of like you threw it against the wall. Well, this looks like a monster, (laughs) right? I'm assuming that's a monster. It's one of those like when your kids hand you their first drawing ever, and you're like, it's a cat. (laughs) And they're like, it's you, Daddy. Oh, you know, it's like that kind of a moment. You know, and the truth is, is that when you think about the concept of molding something, it's your hands touching it, it's you're bending it, you're applying it, you're molding it, you're arranging the pieces together with intention, with purpose, with preparedness and design. I can tell you something, that that picture on the left, someone really thought through what they were going to make. And they took their time, they got their hands into the mold, and they slowly and carefully pieced that together into the incredible work that it is. An unopened Play-Doh container is just a blank canvas of what can be and what will be. You know, a great creation, it takes time, continual work, thought process, planning. It started and restarted. And, and whenever it wasn't right, it went back to the drawing board and pieced it back together again, thinking of it, using tools constantly in the process. And then the one on the right, there's just, I have no idea. <laughs> like, if we could get into the thought process of the person who created that one, some of you in this room are like, hey, now. That looks like mine. Slow down, pastor. (laughs) Right? What we understand is this, is is that the truth is, every person in this room, you have influence. There's people in your life that, whether you realize it or not, your actions and your words and your influence is molding them. It's shaping. What you think, what you say, what you do, how you respond, how you act, how you process— all of it's being watched. All of it's being processed. I, I, like, for instance, the other day I came home and um, it was late at night and I, I'm sitting down in my chair and out of nowhere, my daughter turns the corner and she's wearing my dress shoes and, like, one of my T-shirts, right? She comes clomping out with her shoes and she, she's just walking in there. And the thing is, is that she dressed that way because she wanted to be like me. I know. Oh, yeah. God help her. Um <laughs> Right, you know, but like she, she comes out and she's clomping around in the in these shoes and in this shirt, and, and it's amazing the things that we can pick up, isn't it? It's truly a, amazing. I, I want to show you one more picture here. Raise your hand in the room if you know who this is. Okay, this is from the the movie. It's a Disney movie called Big Hero Six. The white Michelin-looking dude is called Baymax. This is not. It's a pretty good movie, but it's not one of my kids' favorite. They've probably watched it two or three times. But in the movie, Baymax says a famous line, and that line goes something like this. Um, seatbelts save lives, buckle up every time. Just a quick line in the movie. But now every single time I'm ever in my car and my seatbelt noise comes on, from the back seat of my car, my kids go, Dad, seatbelts save lives buckle up every time, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to shoot Baymax, right? <laughs> like, it, but it, this is what I want you to grasp, is that this is just a quick movie that they saw, and my kids, they say it, they repeat it. If Baymax has influence, how much more do you? If in just a moment they can hear that line and pick it up, we have influence in people's lives, and we need to remember that there are those who are watching our lives and they are internalizing what we're saying and what we're doing, how we're acting, how we're responding. They watch when we ask for forgiveness. They watch as we repent. They watch as we worship Jesus. And if I am doing what is right and true, I have the ability to even mold that into my own kids' lives, into my nieces' and nephews' lives, into the other people who come to me. The truth is this, though. To instill truth, we have to allow it to be seen. is there nothing more annoying than that person in your life that they say one thing and they do the exact opposite? (laughs) Listen to what Paul says. He goes, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that that same faith continues strong in you. But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach, and how I live, and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. See, Timothy, he had been modeled. There had been people in his life who faithfully modeled what the Christian faith looked like. There's people in his life that with intention, that they lived, they spoke, they taught. What was in them was modeled and passed down to Timothy. Charles Spurgeon says it this way, train up a child in the way he should go, but be sure to go that way yourself. You know, many of us, I'm sure, you've had that boss that, like, on day one, they, like, they go through all the rules and the things you're supposed to do, and then they tell you all the ways that they don't do those things, (laughs) right? And you're like... What? And then they can't understand why, like, the workplace is a complete and utter mess and nothing is going right because it's like they're doing the exact opposite. What Paul is saying here is he's looking at Timothy, and he's saying, Timothy, you were faithfully taught. Truth wasn't just told to you. It was displayed to you. How we live our lives is so important. If we're going to say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We have to be willing to also take the next step and put it into action and to live it out. See, Timothy was like a son to uh, Paul. And he had had his faith modeled to him by his grandmother and by his mother and by his spiritual father, Paul. He was a man that was trained, that was raised up, and then he was left as a pastor. Timothy's faith didn't come by accident. It was faithfully passed down first to his grandmother, then to his mother, and then through Paul. Timothy saw, he heard, and he experienced the reality of God in his home. Through the lives of faithful people who modeled what that looked like. The truth is this, though, modeling is not something we just add. It's not something we just add. Uh, you know, there's many times that, like, We'll go into the doctor for like a checkup or something and they're like, hey, you're a little bit low on iron or potassium, eat some more bananas or, you know, (laughs) they'll say something along those lines. And what happens is is we don't really want to change our diet, so we add something to it. We add a multivitamin, we add more bananas, we add whatever kind of happens to it. What, What I'm not talking about here is not just something that we necessarily add to our life. This is not what modeling is about we don't want to try and add it to our lives we want this to be the central importance and outpouring of how we live our lives isn't there nothing more scary than when someone you have influence over says a word phrase or displays an attitude that you know came from you (laughs) like there's been moments i'm like jason (laughs) like that was dad coming out (laughs) right like you see it's like looking in the mirror right like it bounces back and you're like oh my like how did that modeling isn't something we add to our lives it's a decision of saying okay I want my life if I'm going to say for me and my house we're going to serve the Lord I want to now I want it to go past just mere words I want my kids to see what What does it look like to love Jesus? Not just hear from their dad, you should love Jesus. I want my kids to see what worship looks like. I want them to see me in God's word. I want them to, I want to put on display a model that they can see and take reference from. See, the truth is this though, we, we rarely see the power or the importance in the moment. We rarely are going to see the power of the importance of the moment. We talked a little bit about this last week. Can I just be honest with you? Most of the time that you choose to model God faithfully, the most of the time whenever you choose to maybe do family devotions or pray or, or do something, like there's not going to be, I wish I could say it would happen, but it's not. I'm just letting you know. There's not going to be this profound moment where your kid's like, oh, ah, right? Well, thank you, mother and father, for modeling that for me, right? It's not going to happen, Right? Like in fact, more often than not, family devotion is going to leave you walking away, like wanting to rip your hair out, like that didn't go well, right? You, you go time for uh, you, you go to your kid's bedroom at night, and you go maybe, hey, let's, let's pray. What, what would you like to pray about? And they're going to give you the most hair-brained, off-the-wall prayer requests, right? If you've ever worked in kids' church, you get some interesting prayer requests, right? Pray for my dead cat that died seven years ago, please, right? And you're like, okay, I don't know how that works, but we'll give it a shot, you know? (laughs) But it's not going to be, you're not going to see in that moment the power of what modeling really does. You're going to, in fact, often more than not feel like the person you're trying to help influence isn't really getting it. Most of the time when you faithfully live out modeling, it's not going to feel profound. You're going to walk away going, wow, that devotion, that prayer time, that reading scripture, that singing worship songs, that serving in the church, that coming to church, that loving each other well, loving other people well, that loving our neighbors well. It didn't seem too powerful. Most likely, it might feel bland. You might even feel annoyed or even frustrated. And that's why we don't base it off our feelings. We base it off of truth. Because modeling over time creates power. Modeling over time creates power. I have in my hand a football. Can anyone in this room catch? <laughs> I love it. There's some brave, there some brave people in the room, right? All right, so, he, so here's the thing. <laughs> Say why Everyone's like, don't do it. Pastor, don't do it. Just don't trust him. It's not good, right? No, no, we're good, we're good. I'm gonna pass it to Red because it's safest. He's, he's in the front row. So, so here's the thing. Since the earliest age that I can possibly remember, I've been throwing a football. Um, I, I, I love football. I love the game of football. I love playing football. Um, I, I, every time I get a chance, I'm, I'm usually I try to be the quarterback because I, I just love doing it and I'm right-handed. I have, if I was a betting man... I've probably thrown a football close to 10,000 times, if not more. Red, you ready to catch? So here we go. So right-handed, I can throw to Red, and he can catch. Throw it right back here real quick. All right. Woo! Hands aren't as good as the throw. Um, <laughs> right? But, but here's the thing. So I could do this all day with him. I could sit here, throw, 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 go back and forth. Keenan's back in the sound booth, like, just whip it. Don't care about the fact there's a TV behind me. Just do it, right? Now that's right-handed. You ready for (laughs) left-handed? Everyone in this room, you are in danger. No, I'm not going to do it. Listen, if I throw left-handed, I look like an absolute, like, person who just got hit by a rock and forgot who they are, right? I'm like, right, you know, because I don't throw left-handed, right? (laughs) Like, I, I can't do it. Like, honestly, I could be three feet from red right here, and I promise you, there's a good chance, second row, you're catching it to the face. That's why I'm not doing it. I care about your safety in this church, right? Right Right-handed all day long. I could go almost anywhere in this room because I have the repetition, repetition, repetition. But here's the thing. I don't remember any of those previous throws. But all of those throws build up to the moment. I can throw it to red, and I have no worry. Anybody else in the room is going to get hit. But if I go (laughs) left-handed, that's a different story. See, the truth is this. The reason my le- I can't throw off my left, it, it's not there. I don't have the consistency. I don't have the discipline. I don't have the continual times of doing it. Those moments whenever you faithfully model what it looks like to live like Jesus, it's going to be like those, those times where you're practicing throwing. You don't remember it. But in that moment when the receiver is going long, and you throw and you hit that pass and they catch it, that moment is a response An outcome of all the previous ones that come to that. And there's going to come a day when that person that you face, listen, again, in that moment when you're living it out as a family, when you're living it out in a relationship, when you're living it out as like yourself, you're not going to feel it in that moment. But when that decision comes later, it's just like Baymax. It comes back to memory because it was faithfully Model to them. Over time, as you faithfully live out as a family, what it looks like to make and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Over time, there's power that develops. There's strength that comes from that. The power and effects will never be displayed in that moment, the moment you choose the model. It will be displayed in the moment then, when they face that decision, that temptation, that choice. That hard moment in life where it feels like everything's breaking. See, the question we have then is, what makes up modeling? Listen to what Paul says to Timothy here. He says, but you, Timothy, certainly know. Notice how many times he says, you know. You know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know how all about I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Timothy could know because Paul chose to show. Timothy could know because Paul chose to show. He brought Timothy into his life see when he says to Timothy you know what I teach it's not because he just told it to him it's because Timothy was right there in the journey with him he took him with him on those things he says you know you know what I teach and you know how I live how does Timothy know how Paul lives he has watched how Paul interacts with people and some of Paul's letters he includes Timothy with him in the letter He brought Timothy into his life, into his ministry, into how he did things. He modeled for Timothy what it faithfully looked like to serve Jesus and what it looked like to be a messenger of the gospel of Jesus. He says, you know my faith. You know my patience. How does someone know that you're patient? (laughs) They got to be there when the moment's tested, right? Yes. That's why we should not have our children in the car with us. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You you know my patience, you know my love, you know my endurance. He says, Timothy, you know these things because you've been on the journey with me. I've modeled it faithfully for you. See, there's a power that comes whenever we invite people to follow Jesus. He chose to lead by selecting a group of men that he chose to live out what his relationship with the Father looked like. You know how he calls the disciples? He looks at them and he goes, come follow me. Not come take a 12-step course. Not come, hey, bring the workbook with you. Not come, I mean, like Jesus is like, hey, come, come, come sleep where I'm going to sleep. Come eat meals with me. Come on this journey with me. Come watch how I engage with people. Come watch how I love people. Come watch and listen in as I pray to the Father. You know what I love? The disciples at one point in time, they look at Jesus and they go, teach us to pray. That gives me encouragement. Like the 12 closest followers of Jesus, they go to him and they hear his prayer life and they're like, I want mine to be like that. They were brought into the life of Jesus. His call was to follow. Jesus chose to impart truth by living it out. The apostle Paul does the same thing. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. Think about Jesus. He he washes the disciples' feet and then afterwards he says, do likewise you've just watched your master get on his hands and feet and scrub your dirty feet. You've watched me humble myself to the lowest position of any slave because I loved you. He says, if you're going to be my follower, do the same. You see, if we're going to understand what this looks like, if we're going to faithfully live out a life that says, my life we're gonna, I'm gonna serve the Lord. We, we, it's gotta be more than just lip service. It's gotta be more than words. It's gotta be us saying, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna faithfully live this out. Timothy had the very privilege of seeing and experiencing who Jesus was by watching the life of the Apostle Paul. Timothy was not kept at a distance. Paul practiced, he taught, he lived out this relationship with God. Look at all those you know statements. You know, you know, you know, you know, Paul keeps saying in this section as he's writing to his dearly loved son. He goes, I know you know because I was there. Because I'm the one who showed you what that looked like. Timothy knows because he's been taught, he's experienced. He was given time to learn and to practice, and it was consistently modeled before his eyes. But the truth is we cannot model what we do not do. If we're going to see what this looks like, if we're going to look at what does making a modeling look like, number one, we cannot model what we do not do. Again, Spurgeon says, train up a child in the way he should go, but make sure you go that way yourself. Timothy knew these things about Paul because Paul did them, he lived them, he showed them. He invited him into his life to see and to experience it. Um. Maybe today you're sitting here and you're going, you know what, Pastor Josh, I'm kind of, I'm new to all this and I, I want to leave a legacy for those who come after me, for my children, for my grandchildren. Can I tell you the first step above anything else is develop a passionate love for Jesus Christ. Get into his word. And we talked a little bit about this last week. Get, in, get into his word. Pray. Start, start spending time in his presence. Not because it's a religious to-do list. Listen, your kids do not need to see that. <laughs> right? If, you're, if your faith is just a checkbox, 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 please don't model that, don't pass that down. Pass down a vibrant relationship with Jesus where He is everything to you. And and as you may and figure out what fits your time schedule, like um, me, I like to wake up really early in the mornings and spend time like seeking God, diving into his word. But some of you are like, waking up in the morning would be like the torture that I would tell anything. right? <laughs> some of you are like, if I was ever caught behind enemy lines and they're like, you're waking up tomorrow at 5 a.m. You're like, what do you want to know? <laughs> I'll tell you anything. Like, like, honestly, some of you are not mourning people. Right? And that's fine. So don't try to cultivate that habit. Cultivate that habit not in the morning, but in the evening when you like to stay up. Maybe that 11 o'clock to midnight hour becomes your time to really seek the face of God. Find out what works for you. But the thing is this we cannot model what we do not do, so we need to get it into our lives. Second thing is if we're going to model, we need to allow those who we are influencing to see and to experience what we've placed into our lives. Modeling is putting into action the decision, as for me and my house, we'll see we are going to serve the Lord. You know, last week we said, if it's a priority, we're going to find a way, and if it's not, we're going to find an excuse. I love this. Um, Paul looks at Timothy and he says, you saw and you experienced the faith through my life. I'll never forget as a kid, um, my dad taking me to uh, some promise keepers of events. I remember going with a group of men and just thinking it was the coolest thing in the world to be next to my dad and go on this trip and drive and go into the stadium, and I watched him worship. I watched him pray. I watched him open his Bible. I remember Saturday mornings waking up and seeing my dad study, getting prepped and getting ready for the upcoming weekend because he was a Sunday school teacher. Um, when I was 13, um, I did a paper route um, because I really liked to play paintball. <laughs> if you know anything about paintball, it's an expensive sport. <laughs> yes, and so like I, I wanted to play as often as possible. So I remember at like the earliest age, like I, w- we were in Medina, Ohio, and like the snow would get up to like almost your knee, and then it would freeze at the top. So when you'd be walking across street, it, would like slice your legs. And I remember getting up at 5 a.m. and I'd come down the stairs and I'd hear my mom in the living room praying over me praying over my brother, praying over our future spouses, like calling down heaven, and Lord, did me and my brother need it? <laughs> but those prayers, see, the truth is this, is that I learned to pray because I saw, I heard, I experienced, and I was also invited in. Now, I, one of my favorite things about um my, my kids is that, like, when we go to, like, pray over a meal, it's not usually mom and dad that pray, or whenever we pray even for something, like, it's usually my kids, we have them do it, because I want them to experience it, right? I want them to see it in my life, and then kind of move into it. My mom was even talking on the drive here today, they saw a semi-truck that had flipped over and gotten, like, twisted up, and she asked Jason, hey, can you pray in the back seat, and he just started praying, See, we need to create those moments where if we're going to truly model it, we need them to be able to see it and experience it in our life. But then secondly, we need to live out love. This is not easy. (laughs) We need to live out love. One of the greatest moments that we can teach and model and influence is when it's the hardest to love. As we faithfully create experiences for those we have influence over to encounter, to hear, and see what it looks like to love God and to love others, we bring them into that moment. I remember as a kid um, serving in church, as early back as I can remember, I remember setting up tables, setting out communion. I, I remember watching my parents serve in youth ministry and kids ministry. Uh, My dad on the board and Royal Rangers, they taught us sports. They brought us into different experiences. One of the things that we did for many, many, many years in our family, and this is our whole extended family, on Christmas morning we would wake up and we would go and we'd serve meals through the Muncie Mission. We would drive around town on Christmas Day before we even had a chance sometimes to like open up our presents and, and we would go around and we would just faithfully do the best we could to live out love. You've heard me talk about even our experience during the, the height of COVID. One of the things we did as a family, we went out and bought toilet paper and hand sanitizer and things like that. And we just took Jason to random strangers and random houses and we're like, hey, we're going to knock on the door, hope we don't get shot. And then um, <laughs> once they open it, we're going to give them the package and say, we just want you to have this because Jesus loves you. What can we do to faithfully live out the love of Jesus around us, we model by our response to failure. Your, res- your failure and your response might just be the greatest lesson your kids ever learn. Can I just tell you something? Your kids do not think you're perfect. <laughs> Some of you are like, hang on now. How dare you? <laughs> Matt Chandler says it this way. Your kids do not need perfect parents. They need to know their imperfect family can know and follow their perfectly heavenly father. Um, Have those you have influence over seen what repentance looks like? Have they seen that moment? Um, Have they heard the words out of your mouth? I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I made a mistake. There's been many times in in our family life where there I I'll, I've told the story a, f- a few times but like I remember we were driving to Indianapolis and there was like pouring down torrential rain and I was frustrated and people in Indianapolis were driving like people in Indianapolis drive. So <laughs> my nerves were like at wits end to begin with already and um I was trying to get, like, the, the map pulled up on the GPS, and my wife was doing it, and I'll be honest, I love my wife to death. She's not a great navigator to begin with, and I should never have put that task in her hands. And I lost my cool, and I snapped, and I yelled at her. And, like, it was one of those moments where, like, you almost feel like you can, like, separate yourself like an out-of-body experience. Like, as you're doing it, you're like, stop, stop, stop. But no, you're an idiot, and you just keep going, right? <laughs> and by the time it's all said and done, we get to the next red light, like, the Holy Spirit's whispering to me, and he's going, dude, you blew it. And your kids are in the back seat and they watched you blew it. So I pulled over and I parked and I just I I, I went in the back seat and I, I looked at them and I said, Jason and Ruby, what dad just did is unacceptable. That should never have happened. That is not okay said, mom and dads have to ask for forgiveness too. And I said, and I need you guys to, to forgive me because dad shouldn't have acted that way. And I looked at Angel and I said, I need you to forgive me because I should never have acted towards you in that way. And I'm sorry. If my kids cannot see me repent, how can I ever hope that they will? Listen, they, they already know you're not perfect. <laughs> they do. You don't have to act like you have it all together. But what we can do is we can actually teach our kids sometimes the best lessons they will ever learn by how we respond to our own failure. One of the greatest signs of true discipleship is a heart that is quick to repent. Saying, God, will you forgive me? God, will you help me live this out? God, will you you strengthen me in this moment? We, we need to be people who do that. They're, listen, there's people in your life who they're watching you. They're watching what you say. They're watching how you react. They're watching what you say to the car in front of you that cut you off. <laughs> right? They're, they're watching those things. They need to hear us. And then, fourthly, encouragement. Encouraging them when we see, when we hear, or when we're told that they're modeling it well. Because what gets gets rewarded gets repeated. I love this. Pastor uh, Craig Rochelle. he he says it this way. When it comes to the, the avenue of encouragement, it's actually the opposite of the avenue of criticism. You've heard your mom say it since you were young. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all, right? The opposite is true in regards to encouragement. If you think it, say it. There's so many times we hold back life-giving words for people, like we'll think something good or positive about them, or we'll even see something like in our kids, and we're just kind of like, oh, that's sweet. We we need to get really great at like applauding that, speaking it out, saying like, hey, I'm so proud of you for sharing that Torah. I'm so proud of the way that you like had a hunger and desire to come to church. I'm so proud of watching you worship Jesus. Like, we need to be some of the best encouragement in our kids' lives because I know that everyone in this room knows this, but you've got some wounds. And you've got some wounds from some things that people have said to you that they go deep. I'm talking like deep. That whole sticks and stones might break my bones, but words may never harm you is a flat out lie. Flat out lie. The truth is that some of our biggest wounds, they're not the physical injuries we've had. I've broken lots of bones, I've torn tendons, I've, I've done some stupid stuff, but can I tell you something? I would take almost every injury I've ever had over some of the things that people have said. But what if the person who's modeling for them is the words of God, speaking life, and hope, encouragement, into those tough seasons. I bet you more than anything, some of you, you're here in this room today because somewhere along the line, someone encouraged you and it was like a shot of adrenaline to your heart. I'm here today in ministry because there was a group of people, not one, not two, but there was many that like in key moments in my life, like they spoke right in that season, right in that moment, and it was just like... (gasps) a breath of fresh air. See, when we model what it looks like to live like Jesus, we've got to be great at encouragement. We need to speak truth into their life. So the question then becomes, well, what does modeling require? Number one, we need to bring those people close to us. For Timothy to know what Paul thought, what he believed, what he taught, how he experienced persecution, he could only do so if he was close to Paul. As Timothy got into his life and as he witnessed this, things changed. See, there's people in your life that you need to bring them maybe one step closer. Bring them into the things that you love. Bring them into your passions Let them see why you made a choice. Let them see how you handle failure and disappointment. Let them hear, feel, and experience your repentance. Let them see your love for God. Let them see how you love other people. Let them see how God is a part of every aspect of your life. Bring them into your passions. Maybe it's cooking or cleaning, or chores, or, or hunting, or yard work, or, or whatever it may be. Bring them into your passions. Bring them along with you, and then find ways to show them what it looks like to love Jesus in the midst of those passions. If it's not your passion, don't bring them into it with you, because that's where you're going to be tested, <laughs> right? Some of you are like, I don't like to clean. That's right, so don't, don't bring them around during chore cleaning time. <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't like to cook, or I can't cook, don't poison them. Um, <laughs> we would like them, I'm not going to say any names. I'm just going to let it go on. The truth, but we need to bring them into the things that, that we're passionate about. One of the things that I did this year is I brought Jason along with me as I played golf. Um, so a good hole for him is about 18 strokes. <laughs> right? <laughs> It's a it's a slow, methodical, We are. it is not a race <laughs> or a sprint, it's more like a marathon. But you know what, the truth is that by the time we finish usually with the day, I have had so many opportunities to have deep talks with him that I had because I brought him into something that I'm passionate about. Uh, my kids now, one of the things that I often do when I'm studying is I'll go to Panera and I'll wake up early and kind of go there and... Um, on like a Friday and Saturday, and my kids, um, they like beg to go with me. Now, they don't always get to, but when I can, I I, I do allow them, because I want them to see like the passion that I have to teach the gospel. Not just to hear about it, or not just know my dad's a pastor, I want them to see me put in the work of what it looks like to share the good news of Jesus, but that only happens if I bring them close to me, but there's a second aspect we also have to get close to them. This is where sometimes it can get hard. Where we engage in their passions. Where we step into their world. Where we bring ourselves, even when it's inconvenient and tough, we realize the fact that we're there means the world to them. I will never, ever, it's one of the most strongest memories I have. I will never forget When I was in high school, we went to the state championships for soccer, and my dad drove to Columbus, Ohio on quite possibly the coldest day of my entire life. It was to the point where, like, as we would come off the field, we were wearing, like, two hoodies underneath our jerseys. We would come off the field. We would wrap ourselves in blankets and a coat, and we wouldn't even watch the game. We were just shaking, shivering. And my dad stood on the sidelines that entire day like a champ, and watched us get spanked, <laughs> right? I will never forget that day because, like, and and then the ride home of being able to have that the conversations, the conversations with him. Um, and we need to do that. We need to engage into their world. We need to step into those things that they're passionate about. Um, with my daughter, one of the things that I'll often do is I'll take her like on a daddy date and we'll we'll go to some place that she kind of wants to do. I'll give you one more instance of like even my parents coming into our world. Um, actually, I'm gonna give you two quick stories because they're both really good. Um, <laughs> the first, we were getting into punk rock, me and my brother, when we were, Christian punk rock. I know some of you are like, uh, Listen, this dude used to love the mosh pit. That's all I'm saying. All right. And I'll never, <laughs> my mom's in the back going, oh, Josh, please just stop. <laughs> I'll never forget, though, the very first, like, it was this MXPX CD, and, and we, like, we were wanting to listen to it. So my mom's like, fine, I'll make you a deal. You can listen to it on one condition. You have to sit down and listen to the entire CD with mom and dad in the room. I was like, Okay. <laughs> Luckily, they were they were they were a Christian bands, so I didn't have any issues with that. But a, another great one that I had is we went to um, we went to this uh, this this concert. They had like two semi-Christian bands, and then two that were pretty. Um, let's just say they were out there. And um, I didn't know that at the time because the one band, I had no clue anything about them at all whatsoever. I'm like 16 at the time. So my mom acts as like our driver. She takes us there, and then she stays for the concert. And you want to talk about a learning experience. When you are in there listening to this concert, and your mom's in the back, and then that band comes up that you should have done your research to know who they were, and your mom, who's like Jesus' sister, (laughs) is in the back, and there's like... (laughs) Let's just say I spent, like, half that concert in the bathroom just going, Jesus, take me now. Like, <laughs> it's, it's fine, God. Like, I've, I've lived a good life. It's been, um, you know, like, uh, right? But, but here's the thing, though. Listen, what I loved about that is my, my mom, like, she became part of that. And, like, that made for an interesting conversation on the ride home, <laughs> right? There was a learning experience that happened there. The truth is this, though. It's, it's twofold. We have to bring them into our life. We have to get into their life. So as we bring this to a close, what if no one has ever modeled it for me? What if no one has ever modeled what it looks like to serve the Lord for me? Number one, forgive. Forgive those who possibly have failed you. Bitterness, anger, regret, frustration, disappointment, they are not going to lead you into the future you want. Forgiveness is the key that unlocks the beauty of your future. But along with that, I need to ask the question, what if I haven't? number one, we need to ask God to forgive us. But number two, we need to forgive ourselves. We are great at beating ourselves up. We are great at looking back and going, I should have. What if I? Regret binds us to our past decisions. Faith propels us into our future. Some of you here today, like, You might be going, like, Pastor Josh, like, I've already missed the boat. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. You have every opportunity from this day forward to live out a faith that will affect those you have influence over. See, the enemy wants to do this. He he wants to, if I can undo this, you, you would think as many times as I've put these chairs together, he wants to treat this chair like your past. And he wants you to sit in it and think about it and go, man, I can't believe I missed that opportunity. And I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I acted that way. And I didn't do this and I didn't do that. And and what we don't even realize is as we're doing that, we're sitting in the chair and the enemy is taking his, he's just wrapping us chain after chain after chain after chain after chain to the chair. And we're bound to that moment, to that past, into that regret, and to that failure, and we start thinking, like, well, I can't ever, I can't ever get out of here. And it's always going to be this way, and it's always going to be the same. Nothing can ever change, and I've already done too much damage, and, and we're great at saying all these different things, but just please hear me out for a second. Last time I checked, we, t- we serve a God who raises the dead. Last time I checked, we serve a God who looked at an entire sea and said, you know what? I would like my people to walk through on dry ground. Boom! Waters raise up like a wall and the nation of Israel walks across on dry ground. The last time I checked, we serve a God who consistently has reversed the effect of years and years and years of sickness and disease and pain. You remember the story of the woman with the issue of blood? She had suffered for 12 years, and in a moment, the power of Jesus freed us. Listen, the truth is this. It's not just those. It's, what if no one's ever modeled it for me, or what if I haven't? You need to forgive those, but you also need to forgive yourself. Go to God and say, God, please forgive me for the time I've missed, but will you, will you rescue my future from this day forward? Because if you stay here and all you think about is what you could have or should have done, listen to me, your future is inaccessible. But if you will say, God, will you rescue me, will you free me, and will you use me, listen to me, God loves that prayer. He goes, oh, yeah. Come on, son. Come on, child. Come on, daughter of the king. I've got you. We've got this. God can change any story in a moment. Every person in this room who has encountered Jesus, their testimony is this I once was, but then Jesus. Right? You are not bound by your past. You are set free by the blood of Jesus. And he looks at that chair that once bound you and he goes, No thanks. My son and daughter, they run in freedom. Some of you are going, I just feel like that maybe they could never change. Give God a chance. Display the love of Jesus. Model it. Number two, what if no one has ever modeled it for me? Number two, find. Find someone who is passionately in love with Jesus, who is faithfully living out the Christian life, and follow. Look for someone who is willing to live out what you aspire towards. Someone who is, maybe if you're single, find out someone who is faithfully living the single life. If you're married, find out someone who is faithfully loving their spouse. If you're a parent, find out someone who is faithfully pointing their children towards Christ. If you're a grandparent, find out someone who is investing in their grandkids and who is continually pointing them to Christ. Find someone and be like, hey, can I just watch for a little while? Find your Paul. Paul. Timothy knew not because Timothy had all the smarts in the world not because Timothy had all the experience Timothy knew because he faithfully watched it lived out in Paul find your paul engage in them find them number Number three, ask and invite. Ask them for wisdom. Ask for guidance. Ask for advice. Ask for suggestions. Ask for tips. Find out what worked for them. What worked out for their relationship? What worked out for their family? What what worked? What didn't work? That's another good one, right? I need to know many times, hey, what didn't work? Um, How would they have done it differently with each person that they were influencing? And then listen. Listening is the key. Don't just assume you have it all and you want them to applaud your efforts, instead, take notes, listen, and adapt it to your family's situation. Watch and listen. Number four, put it into action. Do something. Make a plan. Put it into place. Live out your life of love towards Christ. Be consistent and don't give up. And listen, you're going to want to give up. There's going to be moments where it's exhausting. Again, I'm promising you this. As you faithfully live this out, 99% of the time it is not going to feel easy, comfortable, or profound. It's just not. When you're sitting there and you're trying to teach your kids how to pray, listen, they're going to be all over the place. Let me tell you about how my previous pair of glasses got broke. (laughs) My son Calvin, we were in the room and we were having like a a discussion and out of nowhere he just comes sprinting in the room, jumps in the air and lands on my head. There's been times that like I'm praying over Jason and Ruby and like it, it is, it's close to that sweet, the best chance I've got for that sweet profound moment is with Ruby right? I'm in Ruby's room and I'm giving her a hug and she's like, pray daddy. And it's this really cute, sweet moment and I'm praying for. Her and it's like this moment, you know, and, I'm, and out of nowhere, Calvin is like on a dead sprint and he just launches onto my head and he's choking me. So now my prayer sounds something like this, God, right? Listen, please hear me. That's life. You're not going to most of the time have that deeply profound moment where the heavens open and there's halos in the room and, the world, and you just get all the mushy feeling. It's just not, that's not. But that's okay. Listen, when you're practicing sports in practice, does it ever feel like game day? Usually not. So be faithful. Put it into action. Be faithful. Put it into action. Be consistent. Don't give up. And don't think it's not having an effect. it I can promise you it's having an effect. And lastly, and I'm done. It's all about Jesus. To model well, we need to have a true and growing relationship with Jesus. We find the strength to continue from his presence. We find the forgiveness and power to repent from his mercy. We will find the beauty and power for life change from his grace. We will love those around us only if we are also captivated by his love for us. Modeling is nothing more than just love being lived out faithfully. Showing, speaking, displaying, acting, living out the love of God. Showing what it looks like to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Showing what it looks like to accept and receive God's love. Showing that we can only love ourselves truly if we've accepted Jesus' love for us. Showing what it looks like to faithfully love others. It's allowing the love of Jesus to flow into us and through us. The greatest testimony of the gospel is lives changed and stories altered. And that only happens when we are captivated by Jesus. It has always been, it will always be, it is all about Jesus.